Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hahn. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about cybersecurity's impact on healthcare. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So have you ever been breached, Colin? Anything you want to admit? <laughs> um, pers- personal uh, accounts? No. Uh, no? Thank- oh, thankfully. that's good. Well, I mean, I mean, my, my home computer is what I mean. Uh, I have had notifications that, you know, a site that I signed up from for a while ago, you know, uh, okay. I released my information. Your information was breached by someone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one time I was driving to science camp in a bus while I was riding, I guess, in a bus with my son and my uh, my ex-wife messaged me and said, hey, a charge just went through like, and basically she'd been fished. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. So I called American Express. Luckily we canceled it and canceled the card and whatever. And it was kind of, you know, it didn't go anywhere. And so they probably didn't get anything from it, but yeah, it was, you know, Riding the bus on the phone with American Express, canceling the card, canceling everything and being <laughs> like, why did you give them the credit card? <laughs> but she was in a stressful situation and they attacked her at just the wrong time. And she was trying to get something done and push comes a shove. She's like, just needed to get through it and made a bad choice. But yeah. Yeah. Tough. I mean, I think that's that's sort of uh, the big difference, right? We, when we hear the word cybersecurity, we all get the vision of, you know, a bunch of people sitting in a dark room in front of green computer screens, you know, typing <laughs> away, you know, a lot of it now is more social engineering, right? It's, it's people mimicking a supplier and sending you fake invoices that you click on, right. Or, or, or organizations that you, you actually do business with. Right. And, and uh, you know, whether it's Apple or Amazon you know, spoofing them and yeah, so they're getting a lot more sophisticated. So it's not, it's, it's not, um, uh, I guess it's forgivable, right? Where people can sometimes just get caught, like you caught at a weak moment or just not thinking right and go, oh yeah, well, this looks like my account, right? <laughs> you click and then boom, you're, yeah. you're, you've downloaded some, uh, some malware or some, something onto the computers. Yeah, the reality, if you look at the breaches today, the real problem is humans. So if we could just get rid of humans, we would have no issues. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a movie plot, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, to be honest, that is the problem, right? I mean, uh, uh, is that they're exploiting humans and humans have frailties. I, I, you know, they're still exploiting technology to some extent, but, you know, firewalls and other technology solutions have solved a lot of those problems in a pretty good way. That It's just much harder to do that. And so if I'm a hacker, I take the path of least resistance and the path of least resistance is humans. Uh, you know, the other thing that's, I think, evolved in such a big way and I really learned this from, you know, my good friends at Proofpoint and, and CrowdStrike, you know, Drex is at CrowdStrike and uh, Ryan Witt at Proofpoint. They've really taught me that, you know, the gold right now for a hacker is the credentials. Because most of the breach systems that are evaluating, oh, was your email breached? Was, you know, were your you know systems breached? They're looking for 
unauthorized activity from outside of the organization. Well, if I have your email login, Colin, I can log in as you and send an email and none of those security systems will notice it because I'm sending it literally as if it's you. And so, you know, that's the goal they've taught me about is that hackers want to have your credential. The credential, once they have the credential, then they can do all sorts of things. And, you know, I mean, the Ponymon Institute's put out a lot of data on this, but the time that someone, a hacker will sit on your credential and just learn. It's it's scary, actually, right? Like, so they compromise your email and they're not like, hey, let me get in and out. Like, you know, if I was robbing your house, you know, I want to get in, I want to get the stuff and I want to get out as quickly as I can. Well, these hackers aren't doing that. They're hacking your email credential or, you know, whatever credential, your active directory, whatever. And then they're sitting there and they're learning. Who do you talk to? Who trusts you? How do you send an invoice? How do you send an approval for a payment? And then they learn from all of that. And then they leverage that knowledge to breach you. That's crazy. I mean, again, it just goes to the sophistication, right? It's a lot more uh, human factors, uh, human engineering going into it, social engineering going into it, rather than just straight up uh, technology exploits, right? But you're right. It is an element, of course, but there's all this other stuff that goes into it. Uh, For me, you know, recently, you know, had some conversations with um, uh, MediaGate, um, you know, and they do cybersecurity for IoT, right, in healthcare, which is a growing a vector of of, uh, of breach. You know, where it's the devices, right? People are attacking the devices, which which sure. people haven't thought of previously as a potential vector of uh, attack. But because these devices typically do not have very sophisticated cybersecurity um, uh, protections, they're easy to get into and hack through Bluetooth, which is how a lot of these devices are connected. And then all of a sudden, you have your IV pole as you know a place where somebody could launch an attack from, which is really odd to think about. So that was sort of some education for me recently around all these new ways, right? It's not always via email. There's all these other uh, surfaces that uh, cyber attackers can can exploit. Yeah, absolutely. And every one of those devices is now connected, which makes them another point of vulnerability. Uh, I was fascinated. Uh, Fortified Health Security just came out with their 2022 Horizon report. And they had this stat that kind of blew me away that in 2021, over 700 healthcare organizations reported a breach of 500 plus patients or more. And, uh, you know, the 700 organizations, I mean, it all goes back to if you think you're not going to be breached, uh, you're probably in denial. right? <laughs> like, you know, the reality is the question isn't will you, you breached? It'll be when will you be breached? And are you ready for the attack? And how will you react to it? And do you have the systems to identify that you have been breached? So I think that's another big challenge that we're facing today. You know, because every organization is going to be impacted. And if it's not their own systems, it's also third-party systems. Right. It's almost, uh, you know, I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of like COVID, right? We're all, Mm. at some point, we're all going to get it. And the question is, you know, how prepared are you going to be when you do get it, right? And what's going to happen when you do get it? And, you know, uh, and I I agree. I think it's not a question of if, it's a question of when and how. Are you going to, mm-hmm. and can you minimize the damage when it happens? And I think that's really more of an approach that certainly I've heard from organizations now that sell secure security systems and things like that. It's like, okay, look, we know we can't prevent everything because technology is changing so quickly. Exploits are happening and vulnerabilities are found every day, but can we limit the damage when it does? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that it's that layers of protection that they always talk about, which I find you know, a kind of a, a shift in, in, in the last uh, few years around the approach to cybersecurity. 
Well, and I think that's the key here. You know, if we if we acknowledge that it's likely that every healthcare organization is going to get breached at some point, the key question is what's going to be the impact on your organization if a breach happens? You know, ransomware incidents are brutal. But if you have the right backup strategy and business continuity strategy, well, then the impact is much less. Right. You're not going to be down for weeks and months. You may be down for hours or days, right? Which is a significantly <laughs> different impact, right? And so, you know, as I look at it, you know, you have to have multiple strategies. One is how are you going to defend you know, you're on it from a technology standpoint, how are you going to defend from a person standpoint, whether it's education or systems to identify, you know, possible breaches in your email or understanding who are the ones that should be educated because they're the ones most likely to be targeted. You know, I Proofpoint offers some great solutions there, you know, that really says, okay, well, we can't educate 32,000 employees at a health system, but we could say, oh, these hundred are the ones that actually have access to the purse strings and that are being targeted by these phishing scams. So let's educate them, right? So, right. Uh, you know, I think that's good. But then it's also, what's your business continuity strategy? If a breach happens, what's your notification strategy? How do you recover? You know, do you have all of those in place? And then also applying that to your partners as well. So you make sure that's in place. And you have to have all of those things. Uh, I think you have to, to sleep at night. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, thankfully there is a, a framework, right. To, that you can use to, to check these off and, and to, to ensure you have all these processes and technologies in place. It's the NIST cybersecurity framework, right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, companies like enterprise health, they make uh, tools that will allow you to quickly implement that framework and ensure that you're going up in the tiers and the levels. Right. And it's ex in, in that framework are all the things you just mentioned, John, like around, who do you have to notify inside your own organization, like marketing, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, the clinical teams in terms of when something has when something has happened? Are your backups in place and are they how frequently are they done? And have you actually done a simulation where you recover from it to ensure that it all works? Right. Uh, all these things are part of that framework so that, yes, when a, when something happens, you're ready for the recovery, not just the prevention. Uh, yep. And then and in there, yes, is, is a lot of stuff around uh, end user education. Right? Yeah. And how often you do it and how often do you test that they actually uh, remember what those things were. So it's a great framework. I mean, I won't confess to being an expert here, but, but having done some work researching that area, I can tell, that, tell you that it's definitely a lot of thought has gone into it from a lot smarter people around cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah, NIST is, a, is kind of this hidden government organization that's not nearly appreciated. Although, you know, I love that you threw in the marketing person. You're always watching out for the marketing people. Uh, you know, it's interesting too, though, that, you know, we've talked about a lot of different companies. Uh, I think that's actually an important trend to watch as well, uh, especially given the great resignation. I mean, before the great resignation, finding high quality security people, especially for healthcare, which largely pays less than the rest of the industries, is super hard. So I think what we're finding is that every healthcare organization needs some important security partners that can help them achieve all of these results. You're just not going to do it alone. And so that's why I think, you know, it's, it's good that we're sharing some different companies as well that could help because you're not, you're just not going to be able to do it alone. There's just too much going on. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. And you're absolutely right in terms of the great resignation, you know, you know, healthcare was already uh, has too few cybersecurity talent, yep. talented people in, in house. And now with the resignation and the increase in cyber attacks across um, all industries, not just healthcare, 
those people are definitely in demand, right? And we could so do it, a positive though, right? Uh, you know, because of the great resignation, there may be people working at companies that are inflexible in what they're allowing their cybersecurity people to do. And if healthcare allows them to be flexible, True. maybe that's an advantage, right? We could, you know, you could leverage in your favor, right? Uh, okay, well, I got paid more at the industry, another industry, but healthcare is going to allow me to be more flexible. So uh, maybe I'll go there. Well, and, and let's, you know, let's not uh, forget about the universal appeal of healthcare. Like sure. here, cybersecurity, you are making a life and death difference, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, you preventing a cyber attack means lives in healthcare. I mean, there aren't that many industries where cybersecurity can have that level of impact uh, on society, right? So I think there's something to be said about that. That's not something maybe you would put in a job description <laughs> or anything, but certainly I think there are a, a number of cybersecurity professionals where that would be sort of that cherry on top of, okay, you know what? That's a great appeal for my job, knowing that what I do has that much of an impact on my fellow uh, community member. I mean, when you look at the healthcare social media community, they are really into buying new lipsticks. So if a cosmetic site goes down, that is kind of life or death, kind of like healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, exactly. You're 100% right. I mean, the impact you can have in healthcare is, is, is something that you either love the mission or you don't, right? I mean, uh, you know, I did a, an interview recently with someone who'd worked at Amazon and he talked about that. He said, yeah, when you come to healthcare, it's just so much more meaningful meaningful because you can have an impact on so many patient lives. Right. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. We're talking about cybersecurity and the impacts on healthcare. So John, let me ask you this one. What areas of healthcare are impacted by cybersecurity? Yeah. Well, you know, I think core to all of this, uh, you know, going back to your marketing comment is that if you have a breach your reputation is going to be hammered, right? So I think that's the first place to start. It's like, uh, you know, if you're breached, then it's going to be all over the news. So in front page news of every local station, they're all going to cover it. And, and they're going to find out because you have to notify all the patients and then the patients will go to the news. So there's like nowhere to hide. And so, you know, why does that matter? Why does the reputation matter? The, I think it matters because it goes back to trust. Do the patients trust you with their data? If they don't, then they're not going to share their data with you. They're going to share just what's needed, and, and that may impact care. And that's a problem when you're trying to care for a patient. And, you know, so I think at the end of the day, it all goes back to trust. And so to me, that's the thing I look at is like, how are these cybersecurity incidents going to impact a patient's trust in that healthcare organization? I'm actually going to take a slightly opposite view to you, okay. John. <laughs> I think, I certainly think uh, years ago that was the case because uh, in terms of the, the negative impact that a breach has uh, on, on an organization, uh, on a healthcare organization. But I think given the prevalence of cybersecurity breaches across other industries now, Amazon, Microsoft, Chrono, like all these other organizations who have very sophisticated cybersecurity uh, uh -huh. firewalls and, and techniques, even they've gotten breached. Yeah, and so I think now, I think there's a less of a reputational impact in terms of the fact of the breach uh, because they're like, well, healthcare is not as, yes, they're bad. Like maybe we haven't invested as much, but man, if Amazon can get breached, then what hope does this <laughs> you know, local hospital have, right? Yep. So I think in terms of, of that, I think they're a little bit more forgiving. Um, but you're right in terms of the value of the data that I have with a healthcare organization is far different than what I have with Microsoft. 
right? Yeah. Like I may have a credit card with them and I may have some passwords, right? Uh, but, you know, they don't have access to my health data at Microsoft, right? Usually. Yeah. So there is definitely still an impact. I just think it's a little bit less. And I think people are a little bit more forgiving. Um, yeah. Well, you might be, it might be true that they don't trust anyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> at this point, we just assume it's going to be breached. Uh, you know, the other piece of trust in this uh, goes back to staff. And, you know, I just think of the the Kronos ransomware incident that's going on now. Uh, you know, I was talking with my cousin who's a nurse and uh, she's like, Hey, did you hear about the Kronos ransomware? I'm like, yeah, of course. And uh, she's like, it's, it's just awful. She's like, I'm not, I'm working long hours and they're not paying me for it. And she's like, you know, anyway, there's lots of legal questions there, right? Like, Hey, you're working and not getting paid. I think there's some interesting legal suits that are going to come from that. But more importantly, she doesn't trust her organization. They're not paying her for the work that she did. And many of these systems are so kludged together. She told me, she's like, they even verified how many hours I worked and then they paid me different. And so, you know, like trying to get this stuff together, you know, I guess, you know, I, I don't think we realize how reliant we were on Kronos to pay people. And that impact of trust with your employees, it's going to have a long lasting impact. Yeah. And, and you, you talked about, you touched on it before, John, about how uh, some of the attacks mimic how people write emails, who they send um, uh, emails to. I mean, imagine the attacks that happen when, you know, you send an email to a supplier, right? It says, hey, pay this invoice or do this thing. And it comes from, a, you know, a natural source only to realize that you've become the vector of attack, right? And now the trust of that organization with you as a supplier is shot, right? Like, hey, like you didn't have enough cybersecurity and you were the one that sent this, you know, inadvertently through your account and, you know, you got this thing sent, sent over to us. I mean, you, you're, you're going to take a hit. Yeah. And so... You know, there's that there's that impact too, where it's not just within the walls of the organization; it can be outside. And uh, you know, anyway, I I think we're going to start to see the proliferation, thankfully, in this healthcare supply chain around cybersecurity. Yeah, and the supply chain is another area that I think is similar to Kronos. Like, if our ERP at a healthcare organization was breached and down, uh, is your your supply chain is going to be impacted in a big way? And, and so, I, you know, you start thinking through what are the healthcare systems and if they were breached, how would it impact, right? I, I don't think many of us think like, oh, healthcare is going to be breached and then we're not going to have, we're going to have supply chain issues. But yet that is a reality that Kronos is teaching us, right? Are there other areas, right? If your lab system was breached and you couldn't get lab results, you know, how would that impact your healthcare organization? A big way we really rely on lab results now. Pharmacy could play the same, right? You can just go through every system and you're like, like, oh, I forgot how reliant on these technologies we are. And when an incident happens, we're going to have lots of areas of healthcare impacted. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, you're, you're putting the scare in me. Like imagine like not being able to order PPE, right? Because your ERP is down or, or you can't communicate with your suppliers to order critical medicines and things yeah. like that because it's all integrated and it's all automated, right? Like it looks at the EHR to see what your current volume is, the expected volume, and then it goes ahead and orders it. If that system... Uh, if one part of that system fails, you know, the hospital may, may not, you know, they can still pay people. Maybe they can still administer care. They can still enter into the EHR, but you have got nothing to actually sitting on the shelf. That would be horrend horrendous. 
Well, and this is why it's so important that you work with your suppliers, right? And you have some sort of program to ensure that they're doing the best they can to avoid the downtimes that we're seeing from some of the ransomware incidents. So I think that's the other key. You know, shifting gears a little, I love the, you know, looking at healthcare interoperability. Uh, it's beautiful that we're sharing more data, right? I mean, like, finally, we're putting patient <laughs> in the front, right, and sharing the data and improving care. But on the other hand, all this healthcare interoperability has security issues. So, you know, the, the uh, information blocking regulation is saying you need an API. Well, that's great. I think this year we're going to see, and, you know, Drex actually predicted this in, in our prediction article, security prediction article on healthcare IT today, that there's going to be more API breaches happening. So there's, you know, in many ways, that's a new attack surface that, you know, a lot of uh, hackers could exploit. And, and we're going to see that, right? As we're more connected, it's more easy to breach and more, it can be more easily breached. And so watch for that on the interoperability front. Another Area that's going to have some major security challenges as interoperability is pushed forward by every government organization I know. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is not my area of expertise by any means, but, you know, I have heard about a lot of work being put into identification, right? How do you know who is connecting to this API? How do you validate that, that, you know, that call or that, that uh, request is coming from who you think it's coming from, right? And it's not coming from, uh, you know, a, a, a different party, or even that that party, you know, is it different? I don't think, I don't, I haven't heard about this, but much like how a credit card company can detect fraud, you know, are these companies that have the API, are they monitoring the typical traffic or the typical requests? And if they see a request that's kind of out of the ordinary, right, are they going to be able to say, hey, maybe, maybe we should flag that, right? I mean, you could, you could see how that kind of, uh, I'll call it fraudulent API use could borrow from the credit card industry to say, Hey, like maybe you should be monitoring like the typical requests from this type of user. And when you get something abnormal, like it's time to flag uh, this. I'm not sure people are thinking about that level of cybersecurity when designing their systems yet. Yeah. And we have a great article uh, coming out by Rom Hendler on, uh, from Trustify. And he talks about, you know, many of the sec- email gateways were secured, uh, you know, through traditional things, screening out unknown IPs and all that. And he said, no, we, you need to understand what does this application, should it normally act like? Mm-hmm. And let's, you know, identify the normal things and then use AI and other, you know, machine learning technology to understand, oh, this is out of bounds. This isn't what normally happens and flag it. So we can see, is this a phishing attack? Is this something else that's coming from an authenticated user who'd had their credential breached, right? We see the same thing with VMware as well. VMware does it with their virtual machines where they literally like have a footprint of how is that machine supposed to communicate and who does it usually communicate with? And then if it goes outside of that natural rhythm of what it's usually doing, they can flag it. So I think that is that next generation of security that we're starting to see where it's not just where is it coming from and all that but it's like should it be doing this and if it doesn't then it can flag it so you could address it early yeah and i was actually speaking to uh, some friends over at netscout right that make tooling to help monitor a lot of different things on your infrastructure and they're talking about using traffic data to build Mm -hmm. that kind of topology that you're talking about john like to know what the interconnections and typical interactions are between systems and so that way, with, with that kind of map and knowing that, oh, normally system A talks to system B this often, this frequently, usually the packets are this big and this kind of the information that's flowing, you can then have a baseline to go to actually t- determine 
whether something is in or out yep. of bounds, right? Because right now it would be guesswork. I mean, who, who you don't even know all this stuff. So you need that kind of topology, which was sort of news to me and kind of interesting to learn about. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about this similar to remote patient monitoring. Whenever we talk about remote patient monitoring, we talk about doctors just being overwhelmed with data. What do they even do with all the data? And that we need the analytics and AI and whatever else to go through that data and just filter up the good stuff so that the doctor can address whatever is really relevant for the patient. Well, it's the same principle with the CISO, right? I mean, or CISO, however you prefer to pronounce it, but uh, you know, like they, they are overwhelmed with data as well. I mean, computers can generate these log files and the attacks that are happening on a healthcare organization are just overwhelming, but most of them are meaningless. And so, you know, we need the, the data geeks to get in there and say, okay, what is relevant and what is appropriate to, you know, escalate and prioritize for the healthcare security professionals? Because if we just say, look at the data, we're like, where do they even start? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the bottom line for me, you know, I think we're unfortunately going to be talking about this for the rest of the year, for sure. There's going to be a lot of news stories. There's going to be a lot more companies that are, you know, going to be touting their security as part of their product launches and things like that. Because I think that's this is going to be one of the top of mind uh, issues for for the rest of the year, especially for me. Something I'm looking forward to reading and and seeing more about at the upcoming Hims conference. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the comments at Hims and Vive. Uh, you know, what what are people talking about? You know, I, although I would say it might be the rest of our lives, not just the rest of the year. <laughs> although it was interesting, you know, Ryan Witt uh, from uh, Proofpoint, he's he's commented to me before. He said, you know, this feels like the early days of of IT security, mm. where there was a lot of unknowns and we hadn't didn't have the systems to secure those properly. And you know, over the last decade, two decades, they've really matured where we stress less about that IT security side because we've, we've learned and we've improved. And now we're doing that on the human side, right? Where there's a lot of unknowns and fears and, and we need the systems to catch up to those challenges. And, and I think they will over time. And so hopefully, you know, in, the, in a couple of years, we'll be at a place where it's like, okay, those are risks, but we have the systems in place to at least mitigate and minimize the damage they can cause. Hey, thanks to all of you who tuned in to this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSN. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lee. Thanks for listening. Have a day.